Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. Well, this morning, doing a little things a little bit different because I'm going to be flipping back and forth between the Gospels. Because the Gospels give us the whole story, right? And, and each Gospel is interesting in that it, it focuses in, each gospel focuses in on a different aspect of Christ, a different aspect of his life, and a different aspect of his teaching because he was, uh, you know, each gospel writer was writing to someone else, someone different, some for Jews, some for Gentiles, some for a mixture, whatever. And the Holy Spirit inspired each writer to put down what they had put down. I mean, all of them are true, accurate accounts of Jesus Christ but they just emphasize different points of him and his ministry. And it's true according to about what each says about the origin of Christ, his birth, you know, and uh, uh, things like that. And so what I like to do is I like to take the different parts of the Christmas narrative and put them together into a somewhat chronological Christmas story so that we get a full picture of what it is that we're celebrating today and who this Christ child was when he was born in, when he was born in Bethlehem. So there's no slides that I'm using today. You can try and follow along with me if you want or just listen to the Christmas story as it is given with each of them. I'm, I'll start in uh, actually the Gospel of John because John chapter one gives us an idea of who Christ was before he was born. And John gives us a theological perspective of who Christ is. And then after that, I go back and forth between Luke and Matthew because each one gives a little bit different aspect of the Christmas story, but then we put it all together in, in, into one. And so this is the Christmas story proper according to the inspired, infallible Word of God. I begin in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. John tells us this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Then I skip down to verse 9 where John records that this is the, the true light, which gives light to everyone. It was com he was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John gives us who Christ is. Eternal God. And then Luke Beginning in chapter 1 and then flipping forth between Luke and, and Matthew, we get what we consider the Christmas story proper. And so beginning in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, 
we're told this. In the sixth month, and that means the, the sixth month uh, after Elizabeth had been told she was going to you know, have John the Baptist. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and we be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now I switch over to Matthew chapter 1, where Matthew picks up this part of the story, beginning in verse 18, after he gave the, that long genealogy that he gives to show that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. And so Matthew records for us in chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, his version, what he was inspired to tell, so he writes this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And now we go back to Luke, Luke chapter 2, the part of the story that we probably hear the most and that we read the most. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. 
This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And at, at that time, Matthew tells us that that's when he was given the name Jesus. That's how Jews did things. Actually, probably he was given the name Jesus on the day of his circumcision. But it continues in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy or sanctified or set apart to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him, Jesus, up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts 
may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now I go to Matthew chapter 2, more of the story that we're a little bit familiar with, beginning in verse 1. This is what the Holy Spirit led Matthew to record. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. Liar. But after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, 
he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. That is the Christmas story according to Scripture and all the different Gospels. Mark, obviously, is not included because Mark was a Gospel of action, just went straight into Jesus and his ministry. Immediately, Jesus did this, and then he did this, and then he did this. But the other three Gospels tell us who Jesus is, give us an idea about his origin and his birth and his importance. For Christ is obviously the most important person to ever walk the earth for he is the only one who is God who ever walked this earth so what does it all mean why is all this important and what should it cause within us theologian Andreas Kossenberger he gives us some quick lessons that we should know about Christmas from all these passages put together first Jesus is the reason for the season. I know we use that as a cliche, but he is. The primary purpose for us observing Christmas is remembering Jesus and remembering Jesus' birth. I mean, at Christmas, we celebrate Jesus' birthday. We're not here to just celebrate the other parts of Christmas. Not that there's any, any parts that are bad in and of themselves, but there is a priority, and Jesus Christ is that priority. The next lesson is that we learn Jesus pre-existed with God in the beginning before the world began. You see, when Jesus was born as a baby in Bethlehem, that does not mark the beginning of his existence. When we looked in John's gospel, he showed us and he taught us, and it is implied, obviously, in the other gospels, but Jesus is God who took on human flesh his human flesh was in addition to existing eternally as God the Son, as part of the Godhead. Another lesson is that Jesus' birth was the culmination of centuries of messianic expectations. We look in the Gospel of Matthew, and you, you, you notice in Matthew, he kept saying, well, as it was written in the prophet, as it was written in the prophet, as it was written in the prophet, because Jesus' coming occurs in fulfillment of certain messianic expectations. I mean, obviously, we're, it was prophesied, his birthplace. It was prophesied about the virgin birth. And all these other aspects of you know, his coming, his advent, were all prophesied. This was the expectation. And then later, during his earthly ministry, and particularly in his death on the cross, Jesus fulfilled the expectations. Jesus fulfilled prophecies. Jesus was God's plan all along, even before the creation of the entire world. Jesus' birth is the, the, the beginning of the culmination of what God had already planned before the foundation of the world to save people, to bring them to himself. Another lesson is that we should distinguish between cultural and biblical Christmas. We have to dis delineate and delineate with our kids that which is, you know, family traditions and that which is gospel traditions. There's, again, no other traditions that are necessarily harmful or unhelpful or unhistorical or whatever. 
But Jesus' birth is what everything is pointing to. Jesus' birth is what Christmas is all about. Another lesson is that Jesus' birth is part of a larger cluster of events that culminates in Jesus' death for our sins as he is God's suffering servant. So, obviously, Jesus didn't stay a baby. We're, we're told in Luke, you know, he grew. and He grew in stature. He grew in wisdom. He grew in his relationship with God and, and, and with man. And he, we have the whole story about 12-year-old Jesus being at the temple, going about his father's business, amazing all the scholars. So there was so much more. But then obviously later he was baptized by John, and that is the beginning of his ministry. He had his three-and-a-half-year ministry, which then led to his death on the cross for the sins of everyone, but then also his resurrection. He had a great ministry of healing, raising the dead, and... and he, he told his disciples everything that was going to happen to him, even though they didn't listen at the time. And so, you know, at Christmas time, we not only celebrate his birth, but then everything that comes with it, what it entails, and especially the salvation and forgiveness of sins that comes with it. Another lesson is that Jesus, the Son of God, was conceived by the Holy Spirit in his mother Mary's womb. And so this is the this is at the center of Christmas is this biological and theological miracle that, that tells us about the identity of Christ. That's why liberals try so hard to get rid of the virgin birth. Because if there's a virgin birth, then we admit the supernatural. And if we admit the supernatural, then, then we've got to admit all this other stuff. Well, yeah, you do. But yes, the virgin birth is, is, is very important. Yeah, the skeptics say it's a biological impossibility. They dismiss it as mere legend. But if Jesus were to come by natural means of conception and birth, he wouldn't have been any different than anybody else. And he wouldn't have been able to be the mediator between God and man. See, he needed to be both God and man to be our mediator and to offer us forgiveness. Another lesson, yeah, just in going with this, is there is no incarnation without the virgin birth. There, there was this, there, there was this uh, liberal th scholar, if you want to call him that, a Andrew Lincoln, who wrote this book, Born of a Virgin? Question mark. And, you know, he, he argued that the virgin birth is unhistorical, the incarnation can't be true because it's supernatural. But this, this is contrary to scriptural teaching. The virgin birth and the incarnation, when, when in John he says that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. I mean, he, that's huge, y'all. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, but only the virgin birth allows Jesus to be that word who dwells among us the god man and that is historical fact that is his history another lesson is we see though was jesus's birth was accompanied by rejection you know our day and age you know we think that all the skepticism is new and boy i think people are turning against christ but this has been something that from the beginning of christ's coming has happened 
And it's going to continue. I mean, you think about the story, the, the narrative that I read. I mean, Herod tried to kill Jesus. There was no place for Jesus in the end. You know, I read in John, even though the world was made by him, the world didn't know him, even though he came to his own people, even his own people didn't recognize him and rejected him. Um, the, the, the reason that, G, and then you see throughout his ministry, Jesus keeps getting rejected by religious leaders, by these people, these, these other people. He keeps getting rejected because of the great calling of what he calls us to, self-rejection, faith, taking up our cross and following him. Those are not popular messages. Sinful people love their sin more than they love God, and they refuse to come to the light. Because according to Scripture, the light will expose their sinfulness. Another lesson is that Jesus came to make a second spiritual birth possible for those who believe in him. Charles Wesley is the one that wrote the hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And in it, he says that Jesus was born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. And John writes in, in, his, uh, in, in his gospel, to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of, the blood, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And later, in telling the story of Nicodemus, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You're born again by repenting of your sin and placing your trust in Jesus. Those who do not receive the second birth aren't believers. They might be cultural Christians because they might be going to church, but you receive the second birth by faith in Jesus Christ. And one last quick lesson is that Jesus' coming marks the ultimate sacrifice because he left the glories of heaven. Nothing but perfection, nothing but love, nothing but full fellowship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And... He stepped down from heaven into a dark place. And he didn't even just come down as, just float down from heaven as a man. He came and took on the vulnerability of being a child. He, I mean, he was born naked, vulnerable, and defenseless, like every human. He exposed himself to the human condition. He took on, as, as Paul says in Romans, he took on the likeness of, of sinful flesh. He took on the flesh we have. He became weak. He humbled himself on the cross and to even to the point of death, according to Philippians chapter 2. And so we enjoy all the different parts of Christmas. I was so glad to be able to have the service in here because I wanted the lights and I wanted the greens and the reds and all that and, and the candles and just it, the the spirit, the ambience that it gives. But nothing is as important as Christ. That is number one. This is what Christmas is all about. And I pray that no one leaves here today without having placed their faith in the reason for the season. And that I pray that Christians leave here worshiping and having the praise of Christ on their lips all day long. You know what? It's going to be fun to listen to the Christmas music. It's going to be fun to do the presents and play with our new toys and gadgets and stuff. But somewhere in there, let us remember to praise him.
You know, we're not going to have an invitation proper this morning. But I'll tell you what, if there's anyone here who does not know the light of Christ, after the service, I want you to come and find me and say, I want to know the light of Christ. I need to have that second birth. I need to know Jesus. You grab me, and I will introduce you to him. But what we do want to do this morning is pray and sing our way out of here and leave here in the joy of the Lord, worshiping him all the rest of the day. So let's stand and pray. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.